This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. Hey folks, this is Sam Carter, your host here at the River Radius. We are now less than two weeks to the close of our giveaway of the Downriver Clear Creek Cataract Package. You can still enter by going to our website, www.theriverradius.com. There, go to the giveaway page and follow the steps. The River Radius, along with Downriver Equipment, is giving away this Downriver Clear Creek Cataract Package. This is a full build, a pair of 12-foot high-side Nimbus Cataract Tubes, a Downriver Clear Creek Frame, a set of three eight-and-a-half-foot Sawyer Polecat oars, and enough straps to put it all together. This boat is made for the fun and rowdy River Rapids. This giveaway will run until April 10 of 2023. You can see this boat in person at the end of March at Raftopia in Denver at Downriver Equipment's huge spring sales event. I'll be there at Raftopia as the MC on March 31 and April 1. Come say hello, check out the boat, I'd love to meet you. Go to the River Radius website, www.theriverradius.com, and follow the entry steps. And now, we truly begin today's episode. Here is the bird. This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. While we as a country have reduced pollution from industrial facilities, we are seeing new threats from climate change, biodiversity loss, and environmental injustice. And it is those threats that call us to dramatically scale up our work. So we've set out goals that have to be accomplished by 2030 and 2050 if our rivers are going to keep serving us and serving wildlife in a changing climate. This episode comes to you from deep inside a river conservation organization. American Rivers celebrates their 50th anniversary this year. American Rivers is a national-level river conservation organization founded in 1973. To learn more about this nonprofit river conservation organization, I talked with the executive director of American Rivers. Please welcome Tom Kiernan. My name is Tom Kiernan. I'm currently uh, in my office in Washington, D.C. I live across the river in Arlington, Virginia. These are the ancestral lands of the Nacotchtank people. I actually grew up uh, across a creek, and on the other side of the creek was a summer fishing camp, at least per the archaeological research of Nacotchtank tribe. I spend my life, you know, a couple different ways. One clearly is work and conservation. I have dedicated my professional life to trying to help protect, restore the natural world uh, and rivers in particular that have been so important to me personally and I believe are so important um, to civilization, to life on earth, to habitat, to wildlife. So uh, I spend a lot of my time on conservation. I also am married and have three kids and two grandkids, and they obviously, family is extraordinarily important. And uh, otherwise, I spend a bit of my life, not as much as I would like, but uh, recreating outside, whether it's running rivers, uh, rowing every morning on a river, and getting out in the out of doors as a way of getting a bit of sanity. So that's that's at least my life in a nutshell. You said there's a river that you 
live on the other side of from your work? What river are we talking about? Here in Washington, D.C., we've got the Potomac River. It's a large, spectacular river in that it has seen significant improvement in water quality over the last 30, 40, 50 years um, since I've been playing, boating, kayaking uh, on the river. It uh, sometimes is referred to as the nation's river. It flows right through Washington, D.C. You know, it's less than a mile from the Capitol, uh, half a mile from the White House. It's, you know, right on the the river flows right past the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial. So the river is is connected to a lot of the history of the country. And you can see some of the river conservation improvements, some of the river health improvements over the last many decades can be seen on the Potomac River. So you you work at American Rivers. I want to hear first, what is American Rivers? Specifically things like your mission statement, the size. I'm, all, I'm always amazed at how many people work at American Rivers and the nature of the work that American Rivers is doing. So American Rivers is a nonprofit. We are an advocacy group and a river restoration group. Our mission is to protect wild rivers, restore damaged rivers, and conserve clean water for everyone everywhere. And we have about 90 staff, the vast majority of whom are throughout the country, are in different um, regional offices that we've established throughout the country. So point being, our staff are on the ground in communities adjacent to rivers, working with partners to protect wild rivers or protect relatively healthy rivers through whether it's wild and scenic designations or other designations, to restore damaged rivers by removing dams or reconnecting floodplains, uh, restoring adjacent meadows or headwaters. And then we also work with towns and cities and communities to improve the quality of their drinking water. For example, reduce stormwater runoff that may be flowing into a river from which that community is getting their drinking water. We work on rivers in a way that helps people, helps communities, improves your drinking water, and simultaneously improves wildlife and wildlife habitat. It's our view that we can and must do this river restoration work in a way that's good for people, economies, communities, and the natural world, given the stresses that the natural world faces and how intertwined we are with the natural world. In your job at American Rivers, you're the executive director, and, and you're in charge of a lot of elements of that. A couple of questions there. How long have you had that job, and what is the work you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so I joined American Rivers two years ago as the head of the organization. The board was generous enough to offer me that position. For me, it's an extraordinary journey in that in college and after college during a period of time that I was doing a lot of river running and guiding uh, throughout the country. I was a member of American Rivers, uh, just an individual contributor member, you know, whatever, $25 a year type member. And, you know, rivers have been central to my entire life. But I have been working in other conservation organizations, the National Parks Conservation Association, American Wind Energy, leading those other groups. And when the opportunity presented itself to lead American rivers, for me, it's been 
an extraordinary kind of coming home, a full circle. And now I'm able to work with a group that I've been aware of and supporting for the last, whatever, 40 years. For me, it's it's extraordinary to come back and lead American Rivers. My The work that I do as the head of it, it's a wonderful combination of work. Part of my work is very external. So whether last week I was up on Capitol Hill meeting with senators and members of Congress and Biden administration officials, part of my work is advocating for policies or laws or regulations to improve river health. I also work with a lot of our partners, some of the other executive directors of some of our partner organizations, National Wildlife Federation, Trout Unlimited, and others. So that's another part of my external work. I work for and partner with our board of directors. So we have uh, about 23 members on our board, a wonderful, uh, impressive group of diverse leaders and, and skill sets that they bring. So obviously listening to, working with the board is part of my job. I also spend some time fundraising. We're roughly a 20 to $25 million a year organization. So raising those funds obviously is important and, and a big part of my job. And then lastly is internal work. So working with our exec team on staff and making sure that as an organization, all the staff have some clarity. What are we trying to achieve 10 years, 20 years from now? How does everybody's work fit into attaining those 10 and 20 year goals and getting that alignment inside an organization, especially one that's 90 people uh, or larger, staff need to have some clarity. How do they fit in? What do they need to be doing so that we're all moving in the same direction? So a big part of my job is also helping to guide staff. So back to my first point, it's a it's a great, great job. Uh, no two days are the same. It's inspiring working um, with the staff, with donors, with partners. And I feel like we're making real progress in some of our advocacy work. Downriver Equipment is a river gear shop, the kinds you can park out front and go inside and hang out with other river people. The owners at Downriver are river runners and they work at the shop every day. Their employees are also river people and they can talk through questions and your specific river needs. When you engage with the people at Downriver, you are working with river runners who have experience with your questions or they will find the person in-house who can get you the best answer. Downriver is proud to be a river information hub, a hub where new river runners and experienced river runners go as they get on the river. You can visit Downriver in person in Denver, Colorado, or find Downriver equipment online at www.downriverequip.com and in today's show notes. Nissan has a lot of trucks and cars to choose from. Today, we're going to look at their newly updated Frontier midsize truck. This is a midsize four-wheel drive truck. They have the crew cab with four doors and a short or a long bed, or they have the king cab model with a long bed. What is important to me in a truck is how much weight it can carry and pull. And what I really mean is, can the truck get me and a stack of riverboats and my river friends to the boat ramp? Does it drive and feel safe? And can it keep those speeds steady when we're driving uphill with all that load? This new Nissan Frontier has a six-cylinder, 310-horsepower engine with a nine-speed transmission. And this truck can carry about 12 to 1,600 pounds in the truck, and it can pull a trailer with about 6,200 pounds of total weight. 
That is several boats and frames and boxes and coolers. Check out your Denver area Nissan dealers in person and online at www.nissanusa.com. I want to ask you questions about you personally. I'm curious about your working relationship with Rivers that you've had and just kind of how you still engage with Rivers. I heard you say that you row crew on the river, but I also understand that you worked as a commercial river guide for a portion of your life. So I'd like to hear about those elements. Yeah. Happy to share uh, the importance of rivers to me at a deeply personal level. So I grew up um, outside of Washington, D.C. in Arlington, Virginia, and um, uh, lost my father when I was seven years old. He was killed in Vietnam. And my older brother, and that was when I was, as I said, seven years old, my older brother and I and my mother, relatively small family, the three of us, lived across the street from a creek called Donaldson Run and some protected land there and the creek flowed down to the Potomac. So I had a fair amount of time as a young boy and my brother and I, it felt like we lived in that creek. We were constantly playing in it, fishing to a degree in it and exploring and that creek led down to the Potomac. And so it was very much in that creek, in those woods where I emotionally connected and grew up and and perhaps emotionally healed from the loss of my father. And I found a home there. I was comfortable. I then had the good fortune at a school that I was going to had what's called a Voyager program, but an opportunity uh, in the afternoons and on weekends and spring break or whatever to be kayaking on the Potomac or rock climbing in West Virginia backpacking. And so that fit well for me in that I was connecting to the river and a creek. And then suddenly I was able to be kayaking on it every afternoon and built some strong bonds with some of my classmates. So it was, you know, I often say that creek was my home uh, to take nothing away from my brother and my mother and our, our house on the other side of the street. Went to college, made my own major Uh, that I called environmental computer modeling. Continued on rivers. I was big into kayaking. I raced kayaks, whitewater kayaks, uh, guided down in the southeast and then out west. Rivers are central to who I am. I connected with them at an early age and, and have, whether it's been boating, kayaking, rafting, and for the last 15 or so years, I've rode crew, and this is on a men's team uh, in the big shells, eight of us and a coxswain. So virtually every morning I'm in town, I'm with a bunch of folks on the river. We're hands-on at 5.15 in the morning, uh, getting out on the river, working out with a team, seeing the sunrise, and uh, starting off my day. Rivers have been a constant presence in my life, and frankly, a, a grounding an emotional grounding for me virtually every day. What are some of those rivers that you guided on in the Southeast and, and the West? So I was um, working with the Nanahela Outdoor Center, NOC, so guided on the Ocoee, the Chattuga, French Broad, Nanahela, Nolichucky, and uh, then did a bunch of fun trips, you know, up on the Gauley, et cetera, and, uh, here in New England. And then moved out to Colorado to help start the Rocky Mountain Outdoor Center in the Arkansas. 
So we were running, you know, Browns Canyon, the numbers, Royal Gorge, and then the Dolores and did a bunch of other trips, did some kayak trips, led some kayakers down through the Grand Canyon and cataract, et cetera. Uh, I've been on Denga most rivers in those regions. And I often hark back uh, to a trip I did with some friends on the Yampa and the magic of just peeling out of that first eddy going, ooh, we're going to be gone five days. I don't know what's going to be happening downstream, but the playfulness, the journey, the journey with others through extraordinary landscapes, it's it's magical. I understand that your first relationship with American Rivers came a long time ago when you were in college, um, that you somehow got connected with American Rivers. So now you're the executive director. You have been this in this position for a couple of years. You said you had been a dues-paying member for a while. But take us, tell us about this very original relationship you had with American Rivers. It was actually, at that point, American Rivers was called the American Rivers Conservation Council, ARCC. And I joined as a member because then as a river guide, Every river guide knows this, that oof, you're dependent on the river having clean water, being a protected place, you know, where your customers, your guests are enjoying themselves, connecting to the outdoors, connecting with others. So early on, I, you know, knew, hey, it's important to give back. It's important to, as a river guide, do what I can in a small way to help protect these places and as a river guide, you're you're an ambassador. You're a representative to a degree of of um, these, these natural places, and there's such a uh, influence a guide can have with all of their guests, helping to introduce them to some of the the joys of these rivers, some of the challenges, some of the needs to have them protected. Not in a preachy way, but normally so many guests are feeling magical on these river trips and a guide can help guide their clients into understanding the importance of these places and what can be done to protect them. So it was with all of those feelings that I joined American Rivers just as a member and got the, whatever it was back then, the newsletter uh, every now and then. I understand that before you before you took the job with the, with American Rivers that you worked in the wind industry for a number of years. Tell me about that, please. Yeah, well, let me share um, kind of the journey I've taken in conservation. So um, uh, did undergrad, river guiding, ended up getting an MBA, Master's of Business Administration, because I wanted to understand the business world, but get into conservation with that understanding of the business world. I had the chance to work at EPA managing the Clean Air Act amendments. Uh, so I worked on air quality for a while. I then joined Audubon Society of New Hampshire, ended up as president there. And that got me more connected, obviously, with birding and the natural world and wetlands and wildlife and habitat. Um, from there, I did join then National Parks Conservation Association, uh, leading that group, advocating for parks, obviously so many of which include important rivers that felt a good connection. And then, yes, I joined American wind energy association. That was an opportunity. That's a different kind of group. It's actually a trade association where we 
we're representing the wind and solar industries. So, um, you know, I was advocating for renewable energy. So a different gig, but I think very consistent with addressing the challenges uh, of climate change, trying to reduce our carbon emissions. And frankly, it's been quite helpful now at American Rivers because we sometimes work with, sometimes fight with, i.e. in lawsuits, the Hydropower Association. So it's been great for me to be able to draw upon my experience in renewable energy and some experience with hydropower in the past, plus protected lands like parks and working with wildlife like up at Audubon. All of those experiences, one could say, have helped prepare me to be uh, hopefully an effective leader of American rivers because rivers touch so much of our lives, whether obviously with dams and hydropower, drinking water, habitat for wildlife, so many rivers going through our protected um, parks, you know, whether it's the Colorado River going through Grand Canyon um, National Park. So it arguably my work with American Rivers is kind of a, a penultimate experience, at least for me, uh, that I can draw upon all these other experiences and hopefully effectively uh, lead the organization with the staff, with the board, with our supporters, uh, lead it going forward. So I understand that you have brought the North Star concept to American Rivers. What is this North Star program or however you might label it there at American Rivers? What is the North Star? What are the components of this and why have you put that into play? When I was being interviewed by the board of directors to join American Rivers, I obviously read the strategic plan and shared with the board my observation that American Rivers was doing a lot of great work. We had a plan that listed out all these dams we were removing and rivers protecting and, and floodplains we were reconnecting up, but there was not clarity as to what our definition of success was 10, 20, 30 years out there. I believe for organizations, for society, for me as an individual, it's powerful and important that there's clarity. Here's where we want to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Yes, we also need one-year, two-year plans and goals, but what's the long-term vision for where we want to be? For me, that is important because it lays out a North Star. Here's where we're going and have since worked with the board and staff and partners. And we have articulated by the year 2030 and 2050, here are our goals based on the science, based on our research, based on our understanding of threats to rivers. Here's what American Rivers needs to get done to reverse or to counter, to deal with the threats to our rivers. While we've made a lot of progress the last several decades with the Clean Water Act and other legislation improving water quality in many, if not most, of our rivers, we are seeing right now climate change is dramatically harming the health of our rivers because we're seeing increased extremes of floods and droughts that our rivers, many of them that have too many levees and dams, et cetera, are not handling well. Uh, so we're seeing increased floods and droughts. We're also seeing increased water temperature in our rivers, which is dramatically harming a lot of the wildlife, the fish, freshwater species. We're also seeing biodiversity loss. We are losing freshwater species, whether it's fish or other species in and around our rivers, at twice the rate 
of other, whether it's land-based species, ocean species, elsewhere. So we've got climate change now impacting our rivers. We're losing a lot of wildlife in our rivers. And a third major threat or challenge that the data clearly shows, and that is the disproportionate harm of unhealthy rivers to communities of color, to Black communities, Latino communities, to indigenous tribes, communities that are disproportionately seeing the negative effects of unhealthy rivers. While we as a country have reduced pollution from industrial facilities, we are seeing new threats from climate change, biodiversity loss, and environmental injustice. And it is those threats that call us to dramatically scale up our work to meet the North Star, as I mentioned. So we've set out goals that have to be accomplished by 2030 and 2050. We have a target of protecting an additional million miles of rivers, so roughly about a third of the river mileage in this country, protecting it under whether it's wild and scenic or recreational designations, getting these rivers better protected. We have a goal of removing 30,000 dams by 2050. So we're setting some, as others have used the term, big, hairy, audacious goals um, for American rivers and for the river movement, because that's what's needed given the threats to our rivers. You have uh, 90 folks, about 90 people that work at American Rivers. You're the new guy on the block. You know, you're two years in. Um, so maybe not just the block, but maybe you kind of, you're like accepted into the neighborhood a little bit. <laughs> how is the North Star program, how is it being received on the inside of American Rivers by the people that have been there and that are there working with you every day? My sense is the impact of these goals of, of having a North Star that we're shooting for is inspiring, exciting, motivating for staff and partners and volunteers. And it's also a little scary. You know, I'm not going to say people, myself included, aren't kind of going, whoa, how are we going to get this done? How are we going to get it done without burning out staff and others? It is exciting, inspiring, and challenging. And one of the things it also thus is doing is causing us to reflect a bit on if we've, say, removed, you know, roughly 2,000 dams in the last 20 plus years, and we need to remove another 30,000, in essence, we're increasing by 10 times the rate of dam removal in this country. Woo! How are we going to do that? Well, we need to get a lot more funding, a lot of it from the federal government. We need to train up a lot more partners. We need to get states more involved. So this is forcing us to think through a more impactful way of getting this work done. I think it's being very well received. I'm not going to say it's not a little scary and nerve wracking. It is, but frankly, it's, it's what the rivers need. And let's get at it. Let's let's recruit the partners. Let's get additional staff. Let's get the federal funding. Whatever it takes to improve the health of our rivers is what we want to step up to with others to help make happen. So I think it's it's the North Star and setting some ambitious goals seems to be working well. We do need to manage 
the pace and the change inside the organization. Fully agree with that. But we're a mission-driven organization. We've got work to do. Let's get at it. Hey, this is Sam driving my Nissan Frontier, and I am in the last of about 5,500 miles for a podcast road trip to go meet all these rivers and all these people and do all these interviews. And This truck has been incredible. It is very comfortable to be in. Strong uphills, good steady downhills. It doesn't run away from me. It has great braking. I've had boats on the roof. I've had four people in the cab. I feel really comfortable in heavy traffic when I need to go fast and pass or maintain my lane on tight curves. Nissan Frontier, new body, bigger engine, stronger. You can find your Denver area Nissan dealer online at www.nissanusa.com. Downriver Equipment is more than a river gear shop. They are a river community since day one. Protecting rivers, the landscape, and introducing people to rivers has been at the forefront of Downriver's mission. And in the past years, Downriver has supported the programs and fundraising efforts of over 50 river-focused nonprofit organizations in many ways. This year, Downriver launched a new program to support more nonprofit organizations than ever before. That program is the Downriver Nonprofit Giveback Program. What I appreciate about their model is that every group that applies for support from Downriver is highlighted by Downriver. In addition to donating to nonprofits, the Downriver team volunteers at river cleanups and other events supporting the river community in real time. You can visit Downriver in person or shop their sweet river gear online at www.downriverequip.com. American Rivers is having 50th anniversary. And for a long time, the logo of American Rivers was this kind of squiggle of a river in some colors, yeah. kind of probably contemporary at its time. And now you have a new logo that uh, looks like it looks like uh, this. It's right here on this on your newsletter. But it is a it's round. Uh, it has a river flowing through it. Maybe it has like a drop of water also. But very significantly, it has the iconic kind of mountain background that we might expect to be shown with rivers. And then right next to it, I'm assuming those are skyscrapers. So this image of a drop of water, a river, the sun, the sky, the mountains, and a city. Tell me about the logo and the portion of the North Star program that is addressing water quality for humans in urban areas or humans in any place and this kind of change that that American Rivers is moving through to do this I would say significant work that that American Rivers is focused on for the next couple decades it sounds like yeah happy to talk about our logo it's part of rebrand for the organization so we didn't just change the logo we also changed our tagline and an overall brand that speaks to the scale of the challenge that we're facing for our rivers, as I mentioned with climate change, biodiversity loss, and environmental injustice. The change with the logo, as you accurately described it, is to communicate we are working to improve water quality and river health. And the reality is to do that We need to be working with people, people in 
urban areas, people in rural America, and we need to be doing it obviously in wilderness areas, protecting those places. But the point is, we're not just trying to protect rivers off in the middle of nowhere, but that we have a lot of rivers flowing through our cities, through our communities. And that's where people are. And to protect rivers, we need to engage with people. We need to be sure they are engaged with their river, know where their drinking water comes from. 70% of all of our drinking water comes directly from our rivers. And that's often the case in here in Washington, D.C. My drinking water comes from the Potomac River right here. And by the way, that's also where our sewage after being treated, gets dumped into the Potomac. And so American Rivers has got to be working not just in wilderness areas, so to speak, but in urban areas with people right next to their rivers. So our logo with, yes, both a mountain and a cityscape as part of the background speaks to that. We also, we had a tagline that was a good phrase that said, rivers connect us. That's good. Rivers do connect us to each other and we connect to rivers. We've changed it though to life depends on rivers, a more urgent, stronger statement that the reality is, especially with increasing floods and droughts and biodiversity loss, our lives and lives of wildlife depend on the health of these rivers. So we're trying to express a sense of urgency and a sense of urgency that we need to work with more people in more places, yes, in rural America and wilderness, but very much also in downtown urban areas, working with people that are living right next to the river, dependent upon the river, either for sustenance or cultural connections and history. So the again, as part of our 50th and as part of the North Star with our ambitious goals, this new logo, the new tagline, the new brand are meant to communicate that we've got to scale up our work, we've got to be working with people, and there's a sense of urgency because life does depend on rivers. I've been fortunate enough to work in river conservation as a board member and as a staff, and I came to understand that the work that river conservation groups do is rarely independent of that one group, that there's typically a couple, maybe three, maybe even more groups like smaller groups working together and then sometimes a larger group like in American Rivers will come in and do work with them. And there's lots of these national scale river groups and there's also national scale just kind of wilderness and landscape groups that are doing work together. As American Rivers works towards these significant goals of pulling out 30,000 dams by 2050, of a million miles of river protection, of improving water quality and reducing water, uh, biodiversity loss. What's the value of American Rivers teaming with all these other organizations? Well, I mean, talk about the nature of how American Rivers must work with other organizations and, and just because. I mean, this is the nature of the game and how valuable yeah. that is to the work. I, I think that is a profoundly important question. Um, I think it's essential that American Rivers partner very well effectively with so many, whether large, medium, and small groups throughout the country. There are over 8,000 watershed groups. So, you know, the Friends of the Yampa River, or Potomac Conservancy, or the Gallatin River Task Force, and the list is long of all of these local groups. And 
boy, they know that river. They know that community intimately. They live in that community right next to that river. So they're the experts often on a particular river or watershed. And American rivers, we are structured. We've got a team here in D.C. and we've got teams of staff in regional offices. What we see, our role is having our regional offices partner closely with these local groups because we've got some experience, some skill sets, some perspectives that can be wonderful complements to the, and to use an example, the Gallatin River Task Force. We're partnering with them to get the Gallatin designated as wild and scenic. And we have lobbied Congress together with the Gallatin River Task Force. And we've got staff that know the wild and scenic river legislation intimately. And the Gallatin River Task Force staff, they haven't done that before. So point being, this collaboration, this partnership is essential. One related but important point I'll say, we've got a set of core values for American Rivers. The first one is lead with collaboration and trust. We believe it's important for American Rivers to play a leadership role, and we need to do that in collaboration with others and in trusting relationships. Making progress that is sustainable progress requires pulling together coalitions, and sometimes they're diverse coalitions. You don't agree on everything, but you agree on some key stuff, and then you get that stuff enacted. You know, it reminds me of um, when I was a river guide, and and I remember one time we forgot the silverware. We drove two hours to the put-in and forgot the silverware and uh, for, <laughs> you know, for a long trip, for a week-long trip, and we felt that was important enough to go ask the neighboring river guide company if we could borrow some silverware and they were thrilled to give us silverware and and it just makes me think of you know as river guides on the river we always took care of each other as different companies and it was just you know we're all doing the same thing with the river and and your description of of river conservation organizations all working together to take care of the river is uh similar to that reminds me of that you know the last layer in this conversation i'd like to ask you about is that i think sometimes understanding how to protect a river how to give to a river is it's hard it's 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 i don't want to say it's complicated but it just doesn't feel tangible we're all busy we all have so many things in our own lives to do it could be the dishes or it could be bigger projects in your house or with your people how can you you've been a river guide you've been you you still get on rivers personally you run one of the biggest river conservation organizations in the country like help help to soften that entry for a person to become engaged with river conservation. I mean, it can be as simple as, as you said, being a $25 a year member uh, or working with local groups. So just talk through that for, for a little bit here. And Sam, interesting, this somewhat circles all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about how I spend my life. Uh, and my encouragement is for people to get involved in river conservation, in whatever way can fit within your daily lives. You know, you may have family, you may have children, you may have a demanding job, you may travel a lot, whatever. Get involved in a way that works for you. If it's $25 a year, that's great. Maybe sending an email or two. Organizations can help guide people in how to send an email to Congress or do a phone call to your member of Congress or show up for a river cleanup one weekend a year. Maybe do that with your kids. But my point is 
we all have full lives, and I've had the great fortune of having this conservation work as my career, but I do volunteer work outside of my career with other organizations that I care about, and and I'm not able to give as much as I would like, either financially or time-wise, but I give something because it's meaningful. It rounds out my life. It gives me a sense that I'm doing all that I can within the constraints of 24 hours in a day, et cetera, and, and whatever family obligations or other obligations. So I just strongly encourage folks, find a way to get involved, even if it's a little bit, and get involved at a local level and at a regional or national level. One final point on this, this is how democracy works. And we obviously, I feel, are democratic and political systems are under a fair amount of stress the last number of years. And there's a lot of partisan tension, a lot of partisan battles, Republicans against Democrats, vice versa, et cetera. One of the most important things people can do is vote, is lobby their members of Congress, get involved. This is how our country works. This is how our democracy works. And, um, at one level, there's, there, there aren't many things more important to enabling our democracy to work, especially with all these stresses. And this is what it takes to protect our rivers and our drinking water. My encouragement is get involved however you can. Do something, get involved, and take it from there. Tom Kiernan, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the River Radius and talking with us. Sam, thank you. Uh, I dearly appreciate this opportunity. You're welcome. I will talk to you again. That sounds great. Okay. Thanks. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. A wild and clean Riverside thank you goes out to American Rivers and Tom Kiernan for joining us on the podcast. You can find links in the show notes to American Rivers' website and to their engagement page, which offers several pathways to engage in river conservation with American Rivers. Also, there are links to their social media. Our sponsors today are Nissan and the Denver metro area Nissan dealers and Downriver Equipment, also out of Denver. There are links to both sponsors in today's show notes. Downriver is hosting Raftopia right now, and the culminating event is March 31 and April 1 at Downriver in Denver. I will be the MC at Raftopia. Come out and find the river gear you are looking for and come say hello. And the giveaway for the Downriver Clear Creek Cataract Package is wide open until April 10th, you can enter at www.theriverradius.com. That link is in the show notes. You can see the boat at Raftopia. All River Radius social media is managed by Samantha Sice. Today's music is composed and performed by Gene Reiniger. Be in touch anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. Thanks so much for joining The River Radius. The bears defecate in the woods. I've been on Denga most rivers. They're not on fire anymore. <laughs> <laughs>